Hi, Shalom Aleichem. So this Shabbat is one of the few in the year that has a name. This Shabbat is called Shabbat Nachamu, the Shabbat of Comfort. And the obvious question is, why is it called the Shabbat of Comfort? What, is it, what does that mean? So it's given this name because the Torah this week begins with the words, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. Hashem says, be comforted, my people. After we read uh, three weeks about the destruction of the temple, so now we begin to read seven weeks of Haftorahs, which talk about the coming of Mashiach. So there's three weeks of Haftorahs talking about the destruction of the temple, and seven more weeks until Rosh Hashanah, where the Haftorah isn't openly connected to the Torah portion of the week. Instead, it's connected to the, um, the comfort of the coming of Mashiach after the destruction. So the reason why it's called Nachamu, Shabbat of Comfort, is because we begin reading the words of comfort. But the what strikes the eye is the double expression, be comforted, be comforted, my people. Why does Hashem use that double expression of comfort? What does that mean? So some commentaries say that we got hurt twice. We lost the first temple. We lost the second temple. And therefore God says, be comforted for the destruction of both temples with the coming of Mashiach and the building, rebuilding of the third temple in Jerusalem. There'll be comfort for the destruction of both the first and the second temple. But that doesn't really satisfy us because if the first comfort isn't sufficient, what does the second comfort add? If, God forbid, someone loses two parents and the comfort isn't given, a second time, zero plus zero is zero. So if the first comfort isn't sufficient, while we're repeating it a second time, what will that do? What's the meaning of a double comfort? Well, what, what does this mean? So we find a similar idea in the, in the Talmud. The uh, Talmud says that Rabbi Akiva was once walking together with the sages, and they encounter after the destruction of the temple, they encounter the city of Rome. And this temple was just destroyed. And the sages see how Rome is so exciting and so happy and so wonderful. And so everything's going so, so well for this country. And their own country was, uh, their own temple was destroyed. So, the temp so it was a bit of a, a slap in the face for the sages. And they started to cry. Rabbi Akiva starts to laugh. And he says, why are you crying? And they say, look at this country who destroyed our country and look how they're successful they are. And Rabbi Akiva says, that's why I'm laughing. Because if this is what's happening to them, can you imagine the reward that God, God will give us? The sages listen to him and they don't remark. Then there's a second story. They come to the Temple Mount. They arrive at the Temple Mount and they see a fox coming out of the area that was, that is the Holy of Holies, the place where the Kohen Gadol, only the Kohen Gadol, can enter on Yom Kippur. And the sages come to that place and they see this animal run, running around this holy, the holiest place in the world and they begin to cry. Rabbi Akiva begins to laugh. And the sages say to Rabbi Akiva, 
why are you laughing? And he says to them again, why are you crying? And they say, this is a place where the only the holiest person can come to once a year. And now animals are running around it. Of course we're crying. And Mekiva says, that's why I'm laughing. The Torah prophesied that the temple will be destroyed and that Zion will be plowed like a field. And if this prophecy was fulfilled, certainly the other prophecy about the coming of Mashiach will certainly be fulfilled. So here, the sages do remark, the sages do respond, and they say, Akiva, you have comforted us. And again, they say a second time, Akiva, you have comforted us. So the question is, why weren't they comforted by his first, in the first story, and only in the second? And how come they use again this double expression, Akiva, you have comforted us. And again, a second time, Akiva, you have comforted us. There is a uh, story that's, apparently from a medrash that uh, I heard that uh, there was a, a company that actually uh, printed coins as a, as a skula, as a, uh, they said these coins are, are, are coins that bring merit and protection to anyone who wears them. And these coins had the letters Gimel, Zion, Yud etched on them. And those words are actually from this medrash. There's different versions of the medrash, the way, one of the versions is basically like this, that someone saw once that King David was very depressed and this silversmith who had witnessed King David's depression met King Solomon and he asked him, what can I do for your father? How can I bring joy to your father? So Solomon said to him, make a coin which has letters Gimel, Zion, and Yud on it. What do those letters represent? They're the acronym for the words Gam ze yaavor. This too shall pass. So that that those that coin that message represents how good will always be victorious, and this is what the sages were telling. Where Abikiv was telling the sages, yes, Rome has been victorious. Rome has destroyed the temple, but this shall pass. This is only a passing thing. But that comfort isn't sufficient because it doesn't assuage the the current pain. It doesn't, doesn't address the desecration of God's name that's happening right now. That right now in Rome, there's rejoicing and, and in Jerusalem, there's mourning. And when the sages arrived at the Holy of Holies and Rabbi Kiva offered them a second message of comfort, this was a new approach. This was something revolutionary that did raise their spirits. He told them, goodness already begins today. It's not tomorrow. It's not, in the, it's not in the distant future. Rather, the present state, which is not the way it's supposed to be, and it really looks like terrible, contains within it opportunities, incredible opportunities, that, were, that would not be possible in any other way. Rebbe Kiu wasn't naive. He wasn't living in a castle in the sky. And he wasn't ignoring the absolute destruction that was wrought in Jerusalem. Who, like Rabbi Akiva, recognized the cruelty of the Romans? Rabbi Akiva himself eventually was killed with 300 spears of iron until his soul left him. But Rabbi Akiva looked at the fox and he remembers the prophecy of Uriah. The prophecy is Zion will be plowed like a field. When you plow a field, it's something which is, which is which is difficult. It someone who has never 
seen this before and looks at the farmer plowing the field and turning it inside out, he's like, well, scream, what are you guys doing? Why is this person destroying his own field? Why is he taking all of this beauty and, and ruining it? But someone who is wiser knows that plowing is a very first stage of growth. Plowing creates the tremendous potential for growth and the deeper the plowing, the greater the growth will be. Rabbi Akiva intended to arouse his colleagues that they should look for opportunities within the destruction. There are three different kinds of ways you could, you could counter, you could, you could contend with a problem. A weak person cries. A strong person tries to lift his head out of the water and wait till the wave passes. But a believer looks for the opportunity in this present situation. He knows that as much as you can build with success, you could build double with failure. A believer knows that success breeds more of the same, but failure makes it possible to open new doors and to create new opportunities that you cannot reach any other way. Rabbi Kiva didn't just teach this. Rabbi Kiva fulfilled this himself. The Talmud says that before Rabbi Kiva joined the sages, he once went, got up early in the morning and he went to visit the uh, synagogue and on the, uh, on the road he saw a corpse. And looking at the corpse, no one's around. He has to take care of the corpse. So what does he do? He, the halacha is really, he's supposed to bury the corpse in its spot in Israel. The halacha is, if you find a corpse and no one there to bury it, the corpse owns the mace mitzvah. It's called a mitzvah of, the, of a dead person. That when this person is a mitzvah, that means that no one else can take care of him. He owns the space that he, he dies on. And he's allowed to be buried in that same spot. Rabbi Kiva was an ignoramus. He didn't know anything about the Jewish law. And therefore, he worked really hard. And he carried this dead body until he arrived at a civilized place. And he buried the, this body in a, in a cemetery. And then he goes to the, the study hall. And he tells the sages what he has done. And instead of the sages telling him what kind of great mitzvah, wow, you carried him, worked so hard. They said to him that with every step you took, you were, you were considered halachically to be like a murderer. You acted like a wild man because this is against the halacha. A person was killed on the road and no one's taking care of him. He has to be buried in that same spot. By carrying him, you were doing a sin. Years pass. Rabbi Kiva grows to be the greatest of all the sages. And he once mentioned to one of his students that mistake that he made. Rabbi Kiva in his sagacity, in his, in his older age, looks back at the event and he says, this was my first merit among the sages. In other words, this was the most important moment in my growth because this is what pushed me to learn and to recognize that everything is, is this allowed me to, to learn everything. Without that mistake, I doubt I would ever reach where I've reached. And that's the meaning of Rabbi Kiva's double expression, or the sage's double expression. Akiva, you have comforted us. And again, Akiva, you have comforted us. And this is also the meaning of the double expression of God. Be comforted, be comforted, my people. 
there's one kind of comfort from the knowledge that whatever's going on will pass. It's one kind of comfort. And then there is, even if today it's hard, but tomorrow goodness will be victorious. Then there's a second kind of comfort, which reflects a lot, a, a much deeper faith. That is that the goodness starts today already. Even that which is wrapped in a garment of destruction is part of the game. This is the opportunity to do something new that arouses a deeper good that is within us. What used to be considered a theory and it sounded impossible is in the, in, within the shever, within the destruction that we are in in these days, it's something that despite the great difficulty and the, you know, in a synagogue today, you have a much smaller crowd that visits it, but it arouses within us this yearning and thirst that never existed before. In these days, people who pray have a different kind of attitude to prayer, different kind of feeling in their prayer that they never experienced before. The idea of praying on your own by yourself, it comes from a different place. And after these days will pass, we'll see how these days, they cause different kinds of fruit to grow. And we will say soon, Mashiach will come, thank you Hashem for being angry at me. Not just to thank you Hashem for the anger ending, but how the anger itself brought us to something deeper. There's an amazing story about this Rosh Hashiva from Yerushalayim who goes to visit Italy to try to raise funds for his yeshiva. And he comes to this beautiful mansion in Italy. And in the middle of this mansion, he sees in the, like the centerpiece of this huge dining room in the mansion, there is this glass encased, broken pieces of glass encased in a, in a showcase. And he asked the wealthy man, the owner of this mansion, the meaning of these broken pieces of glass. What does this mean? So the man told him like this, I was born in Holland to a Hasidic religious family. I learned in yeshiva and I got a very good Jewish education. But one day my grandfather from Italy sent us a letter and said he needs someone to help him with his businesses. So our family was all supported by our grandfather and therefore my parents felt they had to agree and they sent me to go to Italy and to do business. And as I arrived in Italy, little by little, I, I stopped davening Mayriv, I stopped davening Mincha, and it didn't really, you know, interest me. And uh, I didn't really give my children any of the faith that I got at home, although I did marry Jewish. One night, I'm coming back from my office, and I see a group of children playing. Middle, there's one child wearing a kippah, and he's crying. And a child is saying, what will I tell my dad? My dad's going to hit me. And I was interested. What's going on with this child? And the child told me that tonight is the first night of Hanukkah. And his father sent him to go to the store to buy a jar of oil. And he ran back with a jar of oil. And he tripped and the jar of oil broke. And now he's afraid. What will his father say? He comes from a poor family. And his father won't forgive him. And I took out, out of my wallet the money that he would need to buy another jar of oil. And I tried to continue my routine in my day, but 
The cry of the child didn't leave me any rest. What will I tell my father? I'm also older. My children, my children will soon marry and start their own families. What will I tell my father, my father in heaven? Will the old generations of sacrifice and devotion to Judaism, will that end with me? Without thinking too much, I left the house and I went back to that place where the children were playing and I gathered a broken glass and I put it in a bag. And then I went to buy some oil myself and I lit the menorah. And that night became a night of revolution that brought our family back to our tradition. There's a lot you can gain from success, but success breeds more of the same. But when something is broken, that gives us opportunity to have a whole different level of connection. And that's the meaning of God's words. Be comforted, be comforted, my people. Be comforted because Mashiach will come. And also be comforted because right now is the plowing stage. And there's something to be gained in this stage as well as we prepare any moment for Mashiach to come. And I want to wish you all a wonderful Shabbos. We should see the real comfort of Mashiach right away and not wait for Shabbos. A good Shabbos. All the best.